Hey, hello, folks. We are now officially starting Never Miss Lethal episode three, <laughs> featuring Bradford <laughs> Lee. <laughs> it's Nexty Man. Say hi, everybody. Yep. Hello. Right. So I guess the card. Hello, hello. I guess we'll kind of look at some of the cards, some key cards from the set. I think. So what I'll say is, I picked one. I, I picked Unstoppable Rage, as this one has been the breakout stars. I'm calling it from the set. And all right, so please, Snacksy, continue your thoughts on it. <laughs> Yeah, so Unstoppable Rage, as I said, I think a lot of people did underrate this gun because it's not, uh, well, you need to combo it with something else and a lot of people have been skeptical about the combo potential, how consistent you can pull it off, how good it is actually. Turns out it's really good. It's incredibly easy to combo with most parts. Like, it has amazing combo potential. Um, obviously, with huge creatures, just as a normal lane clear, I think this is what this card was designed for. Because you can also, simply from the card art, you can see it's like a huge giant. And it's like kind of supposed to be used with giants or something like that, right? But it's used with lethal creatures. It's used with one magical lethal creature for <laughs> to full clear. That's, that's just simply funny to me. Because when a one magical one one dead guy <laughs> goes into an unstoppable rage, he can kill everything. <laughs> it is just really funny to me. And um, yeah, I think the card really works well. I think Brad had also incredible suggest with that, so I will let him talk about this. But one thing that I think at the moment is not working correctly with the Scott is the breakthrough mechanic. Because if you take the wording on all of like of the card itself, it says a friendly creature deals damage equal to its power to all other creatures in its lane. So it does not say attack. If you take a look at the breakthrough in your uh, simply card collection, just pick a card with breakthrough and hover over it, it will say break breakthrough excess damage is dealt to the opponent, right? It does not say attack damage. So this seems to be working. But if you go to the glossary and take a look at what breakthrough does, it will actually tell you that it's attack damage because uh, you can read it out when your creature with breakthrough attacks and destroys an enemy creature on your turn it deals any excess damage to your opponent so that's from the glossary so i feel like there's currently something wrong because either the entry in the glossary is wrong or the well the card text is not specified for that or something like that. I see. Well, apparently, according to SLW, actually, as I mentioned, that they plan on changing the wording for Breakthrough. So, that... Yeah, so I can actually touch on that a little bit more and give you a little more detail. Um, it, uh, Maricon, who's one of the developers, specifically said uh, in a... And I'll, I'll read the official statement from him. Um, mm -hmm. It says, basically, the question that was asked was... Uh, when your creature with breakthrough attacks and destroys an enemy creature on your turn, 
it deals excess damage to your opponent, right? So that we're talking specifically about this new unstoppable rage card. Um, and Maricon specifically states, here's the comment. This was through a Reddit post. Uh, so again, this is as, as official as a Reddit post or a Reddit comment can ever get. Uh, but it says, hi, good question. Our design intention all along was that breakthrough would apply to all damage your creatures do to any to enemy creatures on your turn not just attacks however mm -hmm. we are sloppy with the glossary definition it's incomplete by only mentioning attacks and checking edge cases related to this one of our goals will be to solidify our interactions in the code so we can patch out a game that is more consistent regarding breakthrough damage outside of attacks um it says also during your prophecies it if that were valid it would trigger as well so it basically the the current interaction with unstoppable rage is correct in a sense it's correct with the with how they intended it for to, to function however mm -hmm. the wording just like snacksy man was saying is inconsistent currently in relations to if you look at the reminder text from what is it the question mark at the very beginning the glossary uh mm -hmm. it, it's 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 a little bit out it's it's just not it, the wording's not correct there so um but there has been officially a, a statement that discusses that topic matter so it's good good that we have official statements yeah exactly because that was also one of the questions uh, a few viewers asked me because they were looking that up i didn't even know we had the glossary because i never used it and uh, <laughs> when when i like when i told them well maybe it's outdated and then i searched like maybe they just didn't patch it up to date like with the slay mechanic and all of that but that was there so i thought like okay maybe mm -hmm. it's just wrong or something but yeah apparently i was right the glossary at the moment is not up to date and if you just take a look at any breakthrough card and hover over it it will tell you excess damage is dealt to the opponent this is the text how it works so yeah. now we got it yeah, I just pulled up. Let me link the. Yeah, they pointed out in the known issues game update. I'll link that in the chat for anyone who's interested in reading that. But then again, you can see it on the screen. But alright, <clears throat> moving on with that. I think we got that breakthrough issue. Brad, your thoughts on Unstoppable Rage aside from the uh, semantics? I think it's my favorite card in the whole set, and I talked about this in another Reddit post as well. I, I, it, it creates insane emotional responses. So just like I hate Supreme Atromancer and other people love Supreme Atromancer, this will be exactly that style of card. It, Unstoppable Rage, you know, is 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 is, is at seven Magicka in action, uh, a pretty expensive investment to do have your one friendly creature deal damage to equal to its power to all other creatures in its lane. So that's an expensive cost just to do that setup because before we have something like Dawn's Wrath. Uh, which would be at like eight Magicka, but this is a similar setup cost at seven Magicka plus a one-one lethal for one. That's eight Magicka, so it's it's got at the best the same potential to clear as Dawn's Wrath, but it's that synergy that makes the card so strong. It's the synergy with Drain Breakthrough we mentioned. Um, actually, I bro broke through for I think twenty-five one game. Um, is that right? Six twelve. 24 i broke through for 24 one game against a wall of tokens and with mm -hmm. a with a belligerent giant so like there is definitely synergies there and you can do a a ton of damage to your opponent and that is that if, if there's any problematic issue with that it's that it's that it's that exact interaction where you can just combo kill your opponent out of nowhere uh that being said it's still 
it's still not truly a combo kill with belligerent giant because there is a way to interact with it the only the only potential problem in my opinion is wood orc headhunter uh, because wood orc headhunter is five power for five magicka which means that with breakthrough which means that on turn 12 unstoppable rage plus wood orc headhunter equals a burst potential even if you don't have wood, uh, another orc on the board but if you have another happen to have another orc on the board you can use the you know, Wood Orc Headhunter's ability to attack for five uh, with charge and then Unstoppable Rage and, you know, maybe hit for another 15, possibly. Who knows how much damage. But that's the only interaction that potentially is um, concerning to me, uh, only because you can do that in a one-turn play, and that potentially puts some uh, dampers the opponent's ability to respond uh, the next turn. But other than that, I feel like the card's cost is pretty spot-on in relations to... Um, the setup cost to be able to utilize them in conjunction. And so that's why I feel like in reality, this card, if you really want to use it as a combo card, is going to be used as a ramp card. So it's going to be used in a ramp combo-y kind of deck. Um, what exactly that entails is still to be a little more unfolded with time, but I, I do think that the card um, is really well-costed and, and will be a powerhouse, But and some people will hate, because again, it'll, it'll, it'll spawn emotional responses where people will be like, I can't believe I had him at one or two, and then he gained 45 life, and this is bullcrap, I, I instacacy. And I've done that to people, and I, I feel bad about yeah. that because, you know, that someone just uninstalled the game, right? Like, they, they're, or they quit playing, or they're just so pissed off that they're not excited about it. But at the same time, the emotional response that, that it gives for me is at the same time, the other person sitting on the other side of the table is that they just did some of the mo one of the most amazing things they've done in the game. So it, I think it's really well designed because people will love it and people will hate it. So it's great that we're having a discussion. Excellent. Yeah. So so now to the player archetypes and which one this fits into. Uh, let me just do a quick explanation of those. So some people may not be familiar with the concept of a Timmy, a Johnny, and a Spike. Quick summary. Mm -hmm. Timmy likes big, wild, flashy effects. Johnny likes thoughtful combos. Spike likes competitive. I think this card hits all three, like appeals to all three quite well. First, I'm looking at it like, you know, you get the big fat, you get the, when you hit like a Night Talon Lord in this thing, and you just steal half the board from your opponent while gaining a chunk of life, that just feels amazing. Like you mentioned, the Wood Oak Hunt Hunter. Um, you can go ahead and do this card, quick kind of just. Fin quick flashy finish, and I think it's, I mean you got and you got to play around it. I mean, using on a lethal creature, you may take out your own creatures. So I don't think it's completely just as simple. I mean, we've only what we've been out for how many days since Wednesday? So it seems strong, but we haven't really got the test to see what the opportunity cost of it. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about that in these relation to like character archetypes and brewing and? Yeah, I actually agree with you. It definitely fits into all three of those because you can do insanely flashy uh, combos with it. Uh, one of the things I think this card fits at the moment, at least, the, like the best into a ramp warrior because I feel like that utilizes the card the best. Because if you ramp and you increase your max magicka to more than 12, all of a sudden, Night Shadow into Unstoppable Rage is a thing from hand. 
<laughs> and I've done that a few times to people. Like not not only healing for a lot, it's it's like also like twenty damage to the face. <laughs> it's it's really, really strong. But not only that, I think the most flashy thing you can do from hand, even without RAM, is with the new card Falk Reef Defiler, the one that slays and then you uh revive a creature from your lane. Oh yeah. If your opponent has like a lot of weaker creatures, because you got a lot of value trades over, well, if the course of a few turns, I actually managed to revive double blood magic lord into vigilant giant, and and that was just game <laughs> because, well, not only is his whole board gone, I have double blood magic lord and vigilant giant out of nowhere. That's that's just extremely flashy. I think it's it definitely fits into flashy competitive and it's like also nice combos definitely mm -hmm. uh, brad what do you think because i remember watching your stream seeing the you hit the blood magic lord con dream would you get oh, six yeah. from that because you killed your own units so that proc the effect uh, as well well yeah i had the one the proc from when casting it plus six triggers so I, I actually had seven blood magics that I cast in one turn. It was it was glorious. It was absolutely <laughs> glorious. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think it's it, it's certainly one of those cards that they, it fits the Timmy gamer right, the most, in my opinion. It, it, Timmy loves big, flashy, ridiculous crap, and it's exactly what that exact scenario I just explained did. Um, but I think, funny enough, the in the end, I think when 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 the, the dust settles a little and people come to the to the realization that this combo is a little bit slow, it's a little clunky, it, it's it's maybe a little inconsistent. Uh, I'm sure somebody will find a way to make it as consistent as possible with time. But when we look at all those factors, um, I think in the end, if we look at the psychograph back at the psychographics of Timmy, Spike, and Johnny, the the, the spike is probably the least. Uh, um, Represented in this card, in my opinion, it'll be the one that spikes are most maybe maybe most excited about at first. It's, it certainly was the, the the card. It was me. I, I identify mostly as a spike uh, in the end. Uh, but so I loved Unstoppable Rage right off the bat. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much utility and potential here. But it, after playing with it for a while, I actually think its competitive viability is a little bit lower um, since the spike is the person who loves the competitive cards or like is 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 about about winning. Um, I don't think that necessarily meets the psychographic of the Unstoppable Rage player right now. Now, given time, new cards getting printed, new things coming out in the game, perhaps the Spike player gets more of a more of a boost from this card, and this will fit more into archetypes and decks that are winning more regularly because of the new cards coming in the future. But as of right now, I think that Unstoppable Rage is more of a Timmy card or a Johnny card because it has this crazy weird combo synergy with it as well. Yeah, 100%. Sounds about right. Spike kind of teetering. Timmy and Johnny, like, let's rock it. All right, so I think we've discussed Unstoppable Rage enough. So I'm going to pass it to you, Snacks. I picked that card, Snacks. Was there a particular card that you felt stood out? Um, Besides Unstoppable Rage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Dark Guardian is... Yeah, it's called Dark Guardian, right? The three yeah, magic up to five. Yeah, God Creature, exactly. I feel like that's insanely powerful. I feel like Dark Guardian is basically the purple Hive Defender. What does Dark Guardian do again? It's the free Magicka 2-5 God, and whenever your opponent draws a prophecy, you draw a card from it. 
Oh, okay. I feel like that card is helping out purple a lot, just stabilizing early game. That, like, uh, it was not really possible for purple to do that, even though purple had a lot of strong creatures, windkeep spell sword, mammoth, all of those are really good creatures, but they could still get rushed down quite easily. And Dark Guardian helps a lot. Like, it's an amazing creature, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's really good as well. Execute's the only concern I have with that card. Execute really punishes yeah, exactly. Dark Guardian eventually. It does. But it, it's like, Execute is only run by yellow. So if you're only afraid of one color, I feel like yellow at the moment is not very represented with like Control Mage. Against Control Mage, you don't really need Dark Guardian as a defensive tool, so you're not really... Like, you're not afraid if somebody executes your Dark Guardian, especially since you can utilize its ability against Control Mage. You can play it on the turn where you start attacking him, where you start breaking runes, and eventually draw cards from it. And then an execute does not hurt that much. Personally, wasn't a fan. I think it being a 2-5 for 3 guard is pretty sweet for purple decks. I just don't particularly think the effect... I mean, maybe because you're relying on your opponent... Like, a part of its effect, its value is... Rel I mean, the stats are great. 2-5 guard for 3 is awesome. But the whole, I'm relying on a prof... Uh, part of it's relying on a prophecy being its big effect. Not really... Personally, it didn't really, like... Made me go, yeah, I like that card a lot. It's like, depending on who I'm playing, this may be an amazing card, or may just be okay. Um, I don't know, it just didn't get me particularly excited. Maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong. I can definitely be wrong. I mean, again, two five for three is solid. Only thing that scares it is execute. And with five five health is no joke in this game. It's pretty hard to remove. So against an aggressive deck, of course, like against I guess Prophecy Battle Mage, this card is just its worst enemy. But then again, against Prophecy Battle Mage, if you typically don't want to attack too often, you're probably going for that in one. You're waiting to like get control, drain them out of resources, or be blast them all in one turn anyway. And that's just my thoughts on mm -hmm. the card. So Brad, what, I'll pass it off to you then. Uh, I just really love that this mechanic exists. It's one. I think one of the frustrating things, especially for newer players, is when they see this thing where it's like, um, I hate prophecies because they screw up the game so much, or something. You know, you get that that, that emotional response from people normally, and and um, if you can point to Dark Guardian and be like, "Well, we have this card that potentially combats this. It's this card, Dark Guardian." So if we see more of these sort of like um, interacts with with prophecy in a way that's somewhat potentially good for you, it's an interesting mechanic. So like, I think what what I love about this card the most is even though this card says when a prophecy um when your opponent draws a prophecy from a, a rune being destroyed you draw a card even though it says that i think what's most des desirable about it is the fact that this is the first card we see that says if an opponent draws a prophecy from a rune being destroyed comma do something and so it doesn't necessarily have to be draw a card it could be you gain five life um it could be uh i don't know like you 
get rid of that card you know like there are so many potential things or like they can't cast it as a prophecy now or something you know and obviously now there are some restrictions people i don't know if you can't cast it as because if it's a prophecy is actually a good one because people love to play their cards not not play their cards you know it's it's not fun to not be able to play your cards but th th there's definitely been some potential synergies here and i really think that the um with time we might see more of these style of cards and that's really cool and that's what i love about this card I agree. I do like the counter prophecies. That mm -hmm. being concept, but getting a benefit to attacking, maybe having a new legendary that stops a prophecy one time or while it's on the field could be could work with that part of the mechanic. But counter prophecy, I think, is a mechanic that a lot of people were begging for, just so it doesn't feel as bad when your opponent hits it. It's bad enough to draw on the card, but then getting a bolt or a jab or something. Mm -hmm. So I do like that mechanic. I do agree that counter prophecy mechanic or whatever they want to call it down the road when they rename it is something to be excited about. But I suppose that's the same time being careful how much value you get out of your opponent's prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I have to add to that. Actually, this god could be a free Magicka 2-5 god without any of the prophecy interaction and I would still play it. Because I play it completely for the stat line. This stat line destroys the green decks. Completely. Yeah. Like, they play Daring Cut first, well, it does. They play Goblin Skulk, well, it does. That's their early game. They legitimate, like, they really don't have anything else in the early game. Those are the most snowballing cuts in the game early on. And they all die to this one cut. It trades against a Mammoth one for one. Mammoth was another big issue for a lot of decks because Free Magicka 4 4, well, that is simply overstated. And this trades one for one for it. Perfect. It survives two Daggerfall Mage attacks. It survives Windkeep Spell Swords. It survives Wardcrafters. One of the most problematic early game minions in the game. And this god <laughs> survives it all. <laughs> like, really, just, just for the stat line. I feel like the draw a card whenever your opponent draws a prophecy is just a huge bonus. That's not why I play this card at all. Mm -hmm. I play it completely for the stat line. Yeah, I agree. Great against uh, Lightning Bolt as well, which is fantastic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Making Lightning Bolt worse is always a good thing in my mind. Not only does it survive a lightning bolt, but it draws you a card, jeez. <laughs> that is pretty nice. <laughs> Poor blue guys. That's <laughs> still mm -hmm. dope, Yes, so. good. But alright, uh, so Timmy, Johnny, Spike. I'm gonna say maybe Spikes would enjoy this. Timmy's not flashy enough for Johnny's. Let them would be lukewarm about that. Yeah, I think this is a competitive card in nature, and this fits more of the spike demographic or the psychographic than um, the spike being the competitive player will love this card because it's aggressively costed, aggressively stat line, and then it has upside on top of that. It's just got all the factors that you really want in a competitive card. Yep, I agree with that. It really doesn't have anything flashy, or there's also no combo potential for it or anything. It's just a good competitive card. I agree with that. All right, good. Alright, so pass after Bradford. What card besides Dark Guardian and Unstoppable Rage spoke to you? 
Well, there's two cards I actually want to talk about. Um, All right, let's these go. These are, Unstoppable Rage is my favorite, but my number two and number three are very, very close. And uh, the number two would be Pinnitus Oculatus Agent. Not just because I revealed the card, but like because the card itself um, changes a, a number of things about the game. Um, it, 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 one of, the, obviously, well, for the people who have been playing since the, the new set came out, the, the thing that has been maybe punished the most by Penitus Oculatus Agent has been creatures that have ward. Uh, it, it, this is just another great answer for creatures with ward. And now all of a sudden, yellow has access to execute times three and Penitus Oculatus Agent times three if they want it uh, just to answer Daggerfall Mage. So all of a sudden, Daggerfall Mage becomes a very, very sketchy line against yellow. It's no longer one of those things where you're like, well, I can play my Daggerfall Mage and hope they don't have Execute. Now it's like, I can play my Daggerfall Mage, hope they don't have Execute and Pinages Oculatus Agent, and if they're on, like, Earthbone Spinner, Earthbone Spinner. You know, it just, all of a sudden, there are so many ways to interact with that card in the early game that it, in my opinion, may be over time, and this won't be initially, but it'll be over time potentially shifting away from this blue meta that we had had for, what, the past two or three months. Um, I think this card is a very big role player in potentially doing that. I love the card. What do you guys think about this card? Um, question: Is does it work? It functions like a Nasi, right? So when you steal the keywords, they don't proc the uh, effects, correct? Yep. Yes. Right. Yep. So that was actually patched with the new set. I guess maybe that's an important thing to note. So um, Penitus Oculatus Agent is a three magic a two three, and says summon steal a creature's keywords. So it steals the keywords. So it'll steal like the ward off from Daggerfall Mage. Um, you know, drain off from uh, charging bat. There's just it'll steal. Uh, it steals breakthrough, charge, drain, guard, lethal, regenerate, and ward. Those are the keywords that it steals. Uh, but like you mentioned, uh, when it steals the ward off from uh, Daggerfall Mage, it no longer. It did in the past, but it no longer will trigger um, Daggerfall Mage's ability, which gives it a tome of alteration. So when the ward disappears, it no longer triggers. They actually change the wording on Daggerfall Mage and um, Threaten Conjurer and a number of other cards in order to make sure that the clarity of this is, is, is there. So while you're in game, you'll see it and you'll be like, okay, now I know it's for sure how this works because they changed the wording on Daggerfall Mage and some of these other cards that would have otherwise interacted in a way that was not necessarily positive uh, for the person who was playing Penitus Oculus Agent. All right, cool. Just want to double check. I know they made their. There's a big run in with a Nasi coming down, stealing wards. That's great, but you just procked all my cool effects anyway. All right, with that mm -hmm. being said, then, yeah, this card. I think this is a great card. 2 3, 3 mana card. I love stealing keywords. I mean, again, like the giant, like when they put their giant bats, not only will you steal the drain, but you also steal the charge. And you can just immediately not only drain for two, but take out their own giant bat. That's always nice. I, I don't like this card. Uh, I think it's pretty solid. I'd probably run it as a two or two, two or three of. But that's my thoughts on it. I think I like it, but I'm not gonna. Not speak to the Timmy in me. Speaks to the Spike in me though. And what about you, Snaxy? Uh, I think the card is completely okay. I think it fits Agro Crusader the most at the moment, from what I've yeah. seen, actually. Um, because. At worst, most it's just an additional battle rage orc because you can actually steal keywords from your own creatures. So if you're playing 
like Firebrand or a Battle Rage Orc attack with it, you can steal charge from your Battle Rage Orc after he attacked and have charge on this guy again. So it will always have a target, but I think the most important one is it prevents drain from creatures, it enables you to go face through God because it can steal God, and has like finish, like finish potential with charge as well. Yeah. So I think this is at the moment where it fits, at least for me, the best. I think this card definitely is playable. Um, it's not very flashy or anything, and the changes to the ward mechanic, like with all this, that they need to be broken, and if you steal it, they're not broken, help this card a lot. If they did not change that, I think this card would not be playable. But they did, so it's definitely cool. Alright, definitely good input there. I did like the whole stealing your own keywords, actually. It wasn't even thinking about that. That's pretty sweet getting charge again. Getting to reuse charge is always nice. So I'd say um, <clears throat> we'll go to the Timmy Johnny Spike. I would say this is a Spike card. It's Spike Johnny, for sure. Timmy probably doesn't care much for this card. Snaxy? <laughs> Yeah, I think this card is a competitive card, for sure, so Spike. Um, it has a little bit of combo potential, but it's like not uh, Wisp by the Raider or anything like right. that. <laughs> right, So, yeah. And Bradford. Yeah, again, this is a very Spike card. Um, just fits, like like, like Snaxy Man said, it fits perfectly into Aggro Crusader, where the card isn't dead all the time, and so that's why I think Spikes are going to love it in those kind of style decks. Moving some things, moving some boxes around the house, man. Jeez. <laughs> but was there uh, the other card you were mentioning? Oh, yeah. The other card that I'm really excited about is uh, Brotherhood Sanctuary. It's a one magic ongoing support, and it says when a friendly creature slays, it receives its reward in extra time. Um, this card, in, in my opinion, is going to potentially be a combo card. Uh, in conjunction with uh, a number of different things. I won't go into full detail, but the one that a bunch of people were talking about was Child of Heresine. Um, so you can use the Child, uh, which has a slay mechanic that says when it slays something, it can attack again. And so if it gets its, its trigger twice, it gets three attacks effectively if you already have a Brotherhood Sanctuary down. And then if it kills another creature out of that, all of a sudden it gets another two attacks. So now you're attacking four turn or five times in a turn with that one card, and it can just really punch some serious damage that way. Um, I, I I haven't messed around with it myself. Have you guys played with Brotherhood of Sanctuary at all? I played it in a um, scout list actually, and okay. it was nice being able to proc it. Add Lucian Lassange as well. So Lucian Lassange, mm -hmm. you know, normally you get two two when you kill something. Now you get four four whenever that procs. And that just makes all wow. your cards, yeah, your cards get snowballing. So I always have a lot of fun, just slaying, the slaying, you know, slaying, chilling. Just uh, I think Scout has a lot of slay cards as well. You have that new three four Agonian that does that. So if you had him out, he gets one one. He now gets two two after he trades him with something. It makes him feel a lot more worth it. Of course, uh, it was more of a slightly ramp list. I had what's her face, uh, one four lethal Agonian, Arcanian Elite. No, not, not, not him. The Argonian version. Hawkeye uh, Venom Tongue. Venom Tongue. Oh, yeah. I'm so new to using her, but you're, you know, it was nice. I kind of tried... I actually got this list from one of my viewers. He showed me it, and he had taken out the 1-1 one, one guard for 3 mana. 
I'm falling today, but uh, the ramp card and replace it with elite. And getting two Magicka every time you kill something was nice, especially if you trade up. I actually really like this card. I also really like these slave mechanics, all the new slave cards, and all the changes they made. I really I rate this card a 10-10, fun-wise anyway. I love this card. What it enables, I didn't, initially I didn't think about it until I played that, but in that scoutless, tinkering around, your blood magic lord becomes that more vicious. Um, I would like to take, check, test out Night Town Lord, experiment with that, to see, I don't think it would summon two copies of the same card, but that'd it be will. A f it will. I'm pretty sure it will. I'm not 100%, but it should, it should work that way. I haven't, again, I haven't tested it, but I am confident in saying it will. <laughs> Alright, well that's my next experiment today <laughs> to play with. <laughs> Trigate Night Talon Lord to summon me two of the same <laughs> You know, that's the dream, having this out Night Talon Lord. And, you know, my, my original Night Talon Lord dream when I played that card every time I was able to steal an Atromancer felt good. So imagine having this oh out and stealing two Atromancers. <laughs> that sounds oh fucking beautiful. So <laughs> that feels so good. <laughs> that's the answer to Atromancer right mm -hmm. there. All right. Okay. Oh wait, hold on. So we're being confirmed by the chat that it does not yeah. trigger twice. Thank you, SLW. Um, Night Town Lord will not copy two copies. Apparently, people have tested it. I am wrong. All right, here he summons it. Okay, damn. Okay. Well, look at that awesome dream. All right. Rip. Snacksy, your thoughts? Well, we still have the Blood Magic Lord dream with it. So. Yeah. True. True. Uh, I have not yet tested this card. Um, I. Kinda, I played against an archerlist today, who ran this guy together with uh, the four six Pomerad Renegade, mm -hmm. the one that draws a card whenever it slays, and he actually drew eight cards in one turn with it. That was Ooh. funny. He's still lost, but it was uh, it was flashy. <laughs> like, it, it was flashy, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like I can see the potential of it. There, it's like it has so many. We we already have a lot of cool slay effects, right? In the game, it's like not only card draw and like strictly value. We have like cool effects like resurrect cards with the Falkreath Defiler, with Blood Magic Lords to have insanely powerful uh, spells. Um, obviously, the combo is there. Um, yeah, I just haven't tested it yet. I'm not a big fan of support cards, but I really like it that we finally have a cheap support card. It's like one Magicka. Yeah. It's you can play that. <laughs> it's it's definitely not bad. It's it's like not seven Magicka Mage's Guild Retreat. <laughs> yeah, and you have to like cross your fingers that they don't have an answer at that point. Like, please exactly. don't kill it. Please don't kill it. Like, wasting one Magicka to a Shadowfin Priest doesn't feel that awkward or awful, rather, than wasting seven Magicka, because that's usually a whole turn. One Magicka you can fit in here and there. That's like definitely an upside to this one. Alright. So, when it comes to Timmy, Johnny, Spike, I think this hits all three. Spikes, again, it being one Magicka, doesn't feel bad to really play. Like, it's like low risk and with potentially high reward. I think that's just like great for competitive, like, hey, I can fill this out. If they do answer it, why not? If they leave it too alone too long, it'd be kind of vicious. Timmy, all the, you gotta look through all the slay effects on cards now and just go off. 
still think Nighttime yeah. Lord. I mean, oh, you can't do Nighttime Lord, but Blood Magic Lord goes off. And Johnny likes the synergies as well. Like, hey, I can, you know, proc my slaves multiple times. There's that new card that gives you that zero mana contract. Getting two free you know, mana cards is always nice. And Brad, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's a spike card. Definitely fits in at one Magicka. There's some potential there. Um, Timmy's can definitely use it for comboing and making crazy things. Um, or, I mean, sorry, Johnny players the uh, can definitely use it f uh, for comboing. And uh, I don't know, it looks pretty as hell on uh, on uh, on premium versions. So <laughs> they've also got that for. It. It's actually a strict upgrade to have the premium version of this this card. Just a strict upgrade. <laughs> you haven't looked at it yet. It looks awesome in game when it's on premium. Just check that out. Okay. All right, snacks. Your thoughts with that uh, category? Yeah. Um. I feel like all people, all types, definitely have something from it. Uh, I personally don't see much competitive play for it as of right now. Um. Obviously, at one Magicka, it's, it can fit in any moment. Like, as soon as we find the right list, as soon as we get more cards, it can instantly fit in, and it will be amazing. And then it's definitely a spy card. For me at the moment, it's not there yet. Or maybe I'm wrong about this, just my personal opinion. Uh, but yeah, like the flashy potential definitely is there. Combo potential is there if you play this with like multiple contracts and then swindlers markets all of that stuff uh yeah you definitely have combo potential for this one excellent all right segment all right so next i was going to segue into the brews the decks the archetypes you're trying with decks unless there are other cards you guys wanted to discuss all right so <laughs> we'll move on to that <laughs> so what i've been trying is I've been playing with a lot of Assassin. Uh, I personally think the card Baroness has potential. Well, an Assassin and Scout list. With just... I initially tried just outvaluing people with her. I think Assassin has... I haven't really set on a list yet whether I want an Ultra Shell or a... Kind of just a Control Shell for it. But with the Ultra value in Baroness, it's pretty insane. What does so, Eclipse Baroness do again? Okay, yeah. She's an 8 magic of 5-5. Five, five. When you summon and when she dies, you draw a card and reduce its cost by two. Wow. Yeah. So I think she, that's very appealing. Uh, I think she's not very contested in scout list in the eight spot. And I was able, I just cut out my uh, other eight, the eight magical six six guard that destroys the six damage off her. And I think she's great. I think, you know, she enables a lot of things to do with Assassin along with some of the new cards out there. I think Green got some pretty good deals. The Brotherhood Slayer, a 3-3 Prof... I think, and that's, for those who don't know that is, is the 3-3 Prophecy Slay. When you slay, put a completed contract in your hand. What completed contract does is pretty much the... It's a, it's another... Uh, it's the coin, again. The, you gain one magic. If it's zero magic, gain one. Mm-hmm. So but I it's think... actually an action, though, so that's relevant for this game. That's really neat that a zero magic action gets put in your hand. That zero magic action, correct. Which will trigger anything that triggers actions, which Assassin often is pretty good with that. I think that was the archive I was playing with the most still excessive testing, whether I want to really, if the ultras is too limiting, or all in all, with a normal kind of 
more expanded control shell with you know with that little late game like Odevig kind of deal we got more and I'll hmm. pass it over to Brad what have you I've been I watched your stream a bit what were you uh what are you most excited about brewing I mean I've been brewing a lot with unstoppable rage I've been messing around with it in all different archetypes I've actually purposely ignored uh Archer when it comes to the to uh unstoppable rage only because I think it might be the best shell for it at the time just because Archer is inherently one of the more powerful strategies in this game and so I've been trying all kinds of other things to see if I can find something that's better um, but I, I've had the most success so far with uh, um, funny enough it, it would you would say that it'd be red purple or warrior that is uh, like a ramps unstoppable rage deck but it hasn't been it, the, the the archetype that I've actually unstoppable rage has been the most successful for me is red yellow in a, a crusader build uh, like a mid-range crusader build and the key to it is there isn't really like a ton of flashy combos going on with with the with red yellow. There is there's just not too much going on. So you get you still get like belligerent giant plus sometimes the random win off of you know you cast your belligerent giant and then the next turn unstoppable rage and hit them for a bunch of damage. But you can still win that way. But the combos that I'm most excited about with it is at two magicka for yellow, you have um, ravenous hunger. And Ravenous Hunger is a 4-1 for 2 Magicka, so it allows you at 9 mana um, to use both the Ravenous Hunger in addition to Unstoppable Rage to clear the board. But the most important factor to that is it, ha it Ravenous Hunger gains Drain. So a lot of times with Ravenous Hunger, you can gain 15 to 20 life. Um, or, well, it'd be more like 16 to 20 life, because uh, they're multiples of 4. But, uh, but you can do a ton of damage clearing boards in addition to draining for some pretty effective purposes and on top of that like Ravenous Hunger has always been one of those two drops that uh, aggro decks have never really wanted a lot of because they're at one toughness so they're just kind of fragile but the beauty of it now is that in the matchups where they have uh, ways to interact with deal one damage effects really quickly, like minus one, minus one from curses out of green or Merc Water Witches, um, and then out of red, the deal one damage effects like Sharpshooter Scout and Rapid Shot, all of a sudden in those matchups, you can actually, I mean, obviously on turn two, you can still just jam your Ravenous Hunger, but you can actually still get utility out of the card now in the mid to late game, which I think opens it up to being um, a really a different archetype, a really interesting archetype all of a sudden. And I'm really kind of excited to mess around with that a little bit more and see how that ends up playing out in the end. So I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying the Crusader uh, Unstoppable Rage kind of mid-range shells in general. So love that card. Um, what else have I been brewing with? That's pretty much it. I love that. I love Unstoppable Rage. <laughs> Everyone seems to. Everyone seems to. <laughs> and what about you, Snacksy? Yeah, um, I've been testing with Crusader as well. Another very neat combo with Unstoppable Rage is Bulleting Tribune. Bulleting Tribune and Unstoppable Rage on 12 is Drain on Demand for 5 damage AoE. And Pillaging Tribune, at least for me, is a staple card in Crusader either way. So you don't even have to, uh, well, put more cards into it or like change your deck list that much. And it's been working out great. Like obviously, as Redford already summarized, there's not much flashy things going on. You still have your huge giants, you still have your bigger creatures, which then obviously clear lanes and such. But it's like the heal potential for, for that card that really shines. 
Um, another thing is mid-range archer I've been playing with, and I've tested if Baroness is actually better than Yal in it, and so far it is actually. Oh, because, you have to throw cards, right? Yeah, it's it's like it's equally as bad in the situations where Yal is bad because simply, well, you can't just play a clunky card because you need something else at the moment, right? Or like you don't need card draw, you need answers, and then both of those cards are simply bad. But in all other situations, Eclipse Bar Baroness, even though it costs more, has one huge advantage in my Archer list, which was extremely weak to Adarving, because everything in my list, besides Blood Dragons and Tusker, died to Adarving. Every single creature. So that was always a game-losing play for me. It did not matter how many cards I had, Adarving would always win the game against me. Eclipse Baroness, right now, is another creature that survives that. And... Oftentimes, it gives you actually more tempo than Yal, simply because of the uh, reduction in cost. Oh. Like, for example, a zero-cost uh, finish-off is insanely powerful, because you can just squeeze it in whenever. So for me, this card works better than Yal in my mid-archer list. It's interesting, I didn't even consider that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, um, like, I've tested it, and, well, it's it's really... In a situation where Yarl is awful, this card is not better, oftentimes. Uh, sometimes it is, because Yarl is still situational, you need more health than your opponent, sometimes you don't have that. And then this card is even better than that. But it simply outshines Yarl for me, at the moment at least. Okay. So, I did not expect that, actually. I just wanted to play new cards, so I just <laughs> replaced old cards with new ones. And... Uh, yeah, I was really surprised. It works well. I and mean, that's basically it. Like Crusade and Midrange Archer so far. Yeah, I would say, just touching on Eclipse Baroness, her whole reduction thing is pretty insane. Uh, the feeling with zero-cost Harpy feel, always, is always kind of nice to have that zero-cost Shadow um, Thieves Guild or zero-cost Fighters Guild. All those, two, mm -hmm. all those value two mana cards now all of a sudden are just getting, like, well, infinite, I don't want to say infinite value, but pretty insane. <laughs> and then she, and then when she dies, she also draws a card and reduces that as well. I mean, sure, they can silence her, but she's still a 5-5. Five five. Yeah, exactly. The silence is not good against Baroness. It's the same as silence is not good against Soul of Revenge. You silence it with a Shadow and Priest, and then your 4-4 four four needs to contest the 5-5. Five five. That does not work. It's uh, it's just a really good card. It's, I can confirm that. I agree, hundred percent. All right. So we. Have uh, there's one more thing I want to mention about this, actually, real quick. Oh, we were talking about Crusader a moment ago, and there's one other um, combination that we haven't really delved into with Unstoppable Rage. But uh, in that deck, in Crusader midrange, I think. One of the cooler interactions, and this is not going to be huge, but occasionally this might be viable. Uh, the Black Dragon is a, is one of the new cards, a four magic of five five. So if you use the Black Dragon in addition to it, uh, you can actually mill your opponent for like twelve cards out of their deck, up to <laughs> so, so, or not twelve. It's like two, four, six. It can hit for like up to eight, right? So you can 
immediately get rid of like up to eight cards out of your opponent's deck, which is, it's not huge, <laughs> but this is actually like a viable piece there. And although I haven't done it yet, I could see some games in the future where you just run them out of cards with the Black Dragon plus Unstoppable Rage. Mm -hmm. So kind of interesting mechanic or, or interaction in general. So just Milk wanted, Crusader. Something, something to note. Yeah, Milk Crusader, exactly. It's kind of cool. The dream. All right, I like that. The dream. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, where are the people that argue that discarding cards or removing cards from your opponent's deck is not good, it's a downside? People actually did argue about that. Oh, it makes their decks too consistent, but, they were saying? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's like an upside <laughs> and a downside. It really depends on what you're uh, discarding for them. Yeah, but yeah. if we ever go to... Uh, well, discard or what it's called. Actually, forgot it. Uh, no. Mill, exactly. Mill, yeah. We ever get a mill archetype, then this will be extremely funny. Well, as long as Skeever's in the game, I don't think Mill's ever gonna be a thing. Oh, uh, yeah, Skeever does shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, wait, because you. Oh, never mind. It puts the spell. It's an action. Yeah. Yeah. In action doesn't mm. work. Can't blacken up dragon in, sadly. Well, tr tr yep. trick is just to have an alternate win con just for red. <laughs> you should be okay. Yeah, I guess but, so. But we did have a question actually. Somebody asked regarding token spell sword. There's thoughts on it right now. Um, well, I'll go ahead and say token spell sword. I don't. For the state of token spell sword after the patch, I don't really see any change, really. Like, I don't particularly see... I mean, Marked Man's a card, and let me kind of just explain what that does. One mana, one, one, put zero, two, zero, two, makeshift defenses with guard, which is a zero magic card. And may grant it some benefit, but... I so think... it only puts one, oh, two, makeshift oh. dark defenses, so... Oh, I'm sorry, it puts one. It's not even that good. <laughs> oh, never mind. Oh. Okay, I, read my, I apologize for that. I did think it was... Never mind. Okay, that card, don't play it. But... <laughs> okay, I thought it was two. I was like, that's pretty sweet. You get two zero twos, you know? Like, there's zero Magicka? That's not bad. I was like, well, that's a hell of a card. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but I don't... Personally, I do not think Token Spellsword has been affected too much. Uh, maybe the mid-range version of Spellsword got a few more tools out of this. Uh, but I don't think Token... It's getting too much love. Uh, and I'll go pass you this next. So what do you think? I think Token Spell Sword still has the same problems as it had before the expansion. It did really not fix anything there. Uh, I think Dark Guardian is a huge, well, benefit for Token Spell Sword, then, like, definitely. And other than that, it really did not change. Like, it still plays exactly the same. Sometimes you have those really good uh, curves, and sometimes you just like win on turn six or turn five that happens but sometimes you just get blown out by escape and pyro or execute or fireball <laughs> or any other card in the game <laughs> really, it's, I, I don't think token spell sword at the moment is in a terribly good position it needs a little bit more love I mean, it's it's a cheaper archetype to build, so I think that's still a good thing. But yeah, I don't think this expansion changed any of its issues. I uh, pass it over to you, Brad. 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some good cards that are going to be all right in it, like Dark Guardian at the low end, um, Penitus Oculatus Agent uh, is going to be fine there. Um, but I think the card that is, is maybe not the best card for the archetype, but this is the archetype that uses this card the most effectively, in my opinion, and that's Cicero the Betrayer. Um, Cicero is a six magical one six from the new set, uh, is lethal. And it says slay, draw two cards. And then on top of all that, it says Cicero can attack friendly creatures. And so being able to play a Cicero on turn six and kill off your own token can sometimes actually be really strong. Um, and then on top of that, and the reason that I think that uh, Spell Sword tokens generates the most value from Cicero is the fact that you have Divine Fervor in that archetype uh, or the ability to play Divine Fervor in that archetype. So effectively, Cicero becomes a 2-7, which makes it a lot less susceptible to um, some of the many things that deal with Cicero. Uh, basically, it cuts off Curses being a way to stop Cicero from getting its ability going off because it gets that plus one attack and Merc Water Witch. So it cuts off some of the, the ways that Green would otherwise be able to shut down Cicero. But it, it doesn't mean Cicero gets better against things like Execute, um, Silence Effects, because it still just gets destroyed by Silence Effects, and what else am I missing there? Those, are, But those are the things that basically come to my mind right off the bat that can really punish it. Oh, Aerostorm was the other one. Uh, but basically, I don't think Spell Sword, I really don't think Token Spell Sword got much from this set. I want to say they got basically nothing, and then they just incidentally have yep. some cards that fit into it. Yep. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I don't think Token, I think, I, like, it was the first archetype I played when it, it's, it's a great budget, cheap deck to build, and pretty solid, but not a lot of love in from this playset at all. Just maybe next one, <laughs> maybe set, maybe course, maybe set two will have more uh, token synergy there. I considered a token crusader due to skiver infestation, but I'm not sure if that uh, would work. I honestly don't see that happening though. Yeah. And you want and and the reason is because in the past we've seen um, divine fervor see a nerf, mm. and I think that they're hesitant to make a token-esque strategy more powerful because of the fact that in the past we've they've said oh wait a minute we need this we need to look at this and say this might be more of a problem now i know divine fervor was half of the reason it was nerfed was because it was hands down one of the best cards in arena and they were like look how do we make the limited format more dynamic one of the ways is to, to nerf divine fervor but the other reason it was nerfed was because in the lower rankings, the deck's token spell sword was always a cheaper deck. It was it was a less expensive deck, and this is true of most of the yellow token strategies. Uh, they were less expensive, and so divine fervor was a card that everybody basically had when they started at that time, and so it was really easy to build into. And they found that players at the lower levels, the the percentage of players that were playing this archetype or playing token synergistic archetypes was so great as compared to the number of playing other strategies that it potentially damaged the new player experience. So I think they're very hesitant about that because if you damage the new player experience, you potentially damage the game. So you're the game's retention rate, which is a big factor when it comes down to the marketing of any game whatsoever. So I, I think they're very hesitant to print. I, now again, this is all speculation in my head, but based on previous experiences with token synergistic strategies and divine fervor and how the, how we've had balance changes with that card, it would suggest to me that we, we're not going to see heavy support for a token strategy anytime soon. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. And, yeah, another thing to that is, um, I think simply from a gameplay issue is tokens, uh, like this token strategy is always to go white on board. Like you need to have a lot of dudes all over the place. But we are lacking a lot of AOE in this game currently. Like the only color that has good AOE is blue. We don't have that in any other color because, like, if they have one divine fervor out, your Skaven pirate does not clear anything anymore. So I feel like if they just print a lot of support or like just good cards for tokens that make the format extreme or the deck extreme strong, there's just not a lot of counterplay at the moment because if your opponent goes white you need AOE because you can't answer one for one and we don't have that at the moment at least from my perspective yeah I see that as well that's a very excellent, I think that's a great point well I mean if you're really playing you counterplay alright well we were talking about deck archetypes so continuing on that, and were there any archetypes that you haven't got the chance to, but you see in the future? One thing I was kind of thinking about was a kind of a mid-rangey lock warrior. I just saw cards like Garnog, uh, Wrath of Scythius, and for did I say that right? Scythius, Wrath of Scythius. Uh, basically, it's a six-mana five-six summon. Your opponent's cost co- your opponent's cards cost one more next turn that and Witherhand Cultist, like this just cards in red purple that just kind of stop your opponent from doing things. I thought that could be a pretty viable strategy. I'd like to experiment with it more of course. I haven't, haven't actually touched it yet. haven't been able to play the expansion due to work studying and other things. But that Lock Warrior concept seemed like at least a fun deck to play. Maybe not tier 1. But it was actually something I wanted to give a go to. <clears throat> were there any other decks you guys were looking into? Did you have a test get the chance to actually try yet? Oh, uh, that's a breath. <laughs> so more archetypes that we're trying to test out is what you said? I'm sorry. I've... I'm sorry, yeah. Okay, so I said that kind of fast. So let me kind of dial it back. So I was saying, like, archetypes that I kind of you theory crafted, but haven't actually got to test it. I know the set just came out, so there's a lot of theories going around, and there's some testing going on. Uh, we just talked about decks we've been playing, but decks that you plan on playing or would like to, you know, see played. Um, yeah, I want to mess around with, like, a Wayfaring Merrick deck. Like, Corsair Ship, Daggers in the Dark, uh, potentially Merrick goes into the shell. Um, and then you have... What is the name of the card? Uh, I've talked about this a number of times with, with many people who think that this could be potentially be a, a strategy just because... There's now synergies with some of these cards that need uh, item synergies. Red guards. Um, yeah, the, generally, yeah, the red guards, or sorry, uh, the battle mage, uh, rehead battle mage is the one that comes to my mind, um, and then dragon star rider out of blue and dragon star rider. You guys don't know what this card is. It's been in the game for a long time, but it's a five mm-hmm. magic three three that says when it enters or when it when it's equipped it with an item, draw a card. And so there might be some sort of synergies with daggers in the dark and uh, Corsair ship to potentially set up some really insane amount of draw. Um, even there's there's even Spear of Embers, which is an item that's a prophecy that you can sometimes put onto your Dragon Star Riders or your Riyadh Battle Mages. So that, I think there's something there. I'm not like I'm not sure there's enough support. And on top of all that, these are you have to keep in mind that you're playing 
bad cards <laughs> in order to make them good, you know? So, like, Dragonstar Rider is inherently not a good card. It's a 5 magic, a 3-3, three, three, right? Like, if you if it doesn't have text on it and it's a 5 magic, a 3-3, three, three, you don't play that card. But, and this is a big but, <laughs> now that we have Corsair Ship, you can play it and it immediately draws you a card. It's a 4-3 now. And then on top of that, you get Daggers in the Dark, which if you play it and then cast Daggers in the Dark, you immediately get a draw card. So there's definitely something there, potentially, but again, you still have to play bad cards. And so your draws have to line up to make everything work. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's interesting to me. And I, I like Dragonstar Rider in the deck. And I also like Rehead Battle Mage because as uh, SLW is saying right now, it has a big butt. It has potentially has that big butt. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a 3-3 that could potentially get bigger with uh, some weapon synergies because it gets... Uh, Rehead Battle Mage is a 3 magic, a 3-3 that says plus O, plus 3, and guard while equipped with an item, and that is incredibly powerful. That might be the best synergy with this potential archetype. Okay. So, yeah. do like that. Alright, and Snaxy, what are you hoping to see or planning on when you get the chance to try? Uh, Control Assassin, actually. I've been trying to make Control Assassin work now for a while. It's just not working. <laughs> I don't know what's missing. I really don't know. It, it's just on paper, Control Assassin seems to be completely viable because you have heart removal, you have AoE, you have drain, like health gain, you have values, you have atro, you have like all of those things and it's not working and I don't know why. <laughs> and now with the new set, I will definitely uh, do some, well, testing, we'll try out different versions of that, and hopefully finally get a control assassin that's, well, at least deserve to be in any kind of tier list. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, jeez, control assassin. I think just dealing with the big creatures seems to be an issue that I've encountered with that personally just maybe I just need to start focusing maybe throwing in some vipers in there or something but it's big creatures I just don't like <laughs> to deal with but alright <clears throat> I think we're, we're we've gone past an hour uh, I think we've hit quite a few things here or is there anything else you guys want to uh, get across at the moment new set looks 10 slash 10 would play again <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's like not even that many cards, but it changed a bunch. It's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. a lot of theory crafting. Uh, extremely refreshing again. Yeah, I like it. I mean, personally, yeah, you know, and one thing I want to mark, I'm not sure if they got new artists or something, but this seems like a step up, quite a few steps above in artwork-wise, to be honest. As compared to the core set and any of the Madhouse collection, some of the artwork looks simply beautiful, as I don't describe it on. You know, I'm looking at Blood Sorcerers, looks really well drawn, you know, um, Hell of Brotherhood Sanctuary. I just think the artwork in this, this set looked just top-notch, to be honest. So what's everyone's favorite artwork, real quick? Ooh, favorite artwork. That's... They're also dead. Because there, there is, like you said, there's some really good artworks in here, and there's some, like, real creepy ones, like Little Girl has yes. such, like, a, a fantastic <laughs> yeah. artwork, you know? Like so spot on. From the new um, set, it's Baroness. <laughs> Baroness for you. Yeah, Baroness. that one's really great. Yeah, Baroness, Baroness of size. Yep, excellent. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, I like the the premium on on, on close Baroness as well. It's not like super flashy, but I just like the um, the glowing. What is it? Is there a sword or staff or whatever it is? It's a staff. It looks like a sword. But I just like that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's a sword. Okay. Well, anyway. I, I'm, um, pulled it up. Yeah. Uh, artwork wise, I think I'm very. It's hard to say. I like the uh, stalking shadow skill Argonian guy. Yeah, that one looks great. I actually love that one. Uh, My favorite is uh, Gravesinger, I think. I love, like, there's a ton of, the it, the best part about this question is, like, every artwork is good in this set. And so it's exactly, like, it's, it's not like I'm like, what's the best artwork? And everyone's like, oh, it's obviously this. Everybody has this different opinion on which one they like the most, because there's just so many, you know, and they're all really well done. So kudos to the de developers for putting out um, a pretty solid set all around with that, including artwork. Yeah. Outstanding artwork. I, I had to say that that's just... I really can't. I look at all these cards. Like, it's really hard to pick a favorite. They all, hell, I think Protector of the Innocent is just drawn beautifully, actually, as well. Uh, the the thematic, you know, you have the guy with his dukes up ready to stop an assailant, protecting mm. some old lady. Looks like just <laughs> it just looks great. Yeah. Snacksy, what do you? Uh, it was the next stand out for you. Um, it's not only the art, it's also the animations. Like, the animations yeah. of, for example, Unstoppable Rage is really nicely done. For Grand Ball, it's really nicely done. Like, overall, I think this game improved not only uh, gameplay-wise, but also on the visuals, like, a lot. It's so much more appealing just to watch, just, just to look at it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really great, because I feel like that was a complaint point for a lot of people, that this game just looks kind of brownish, and there are no effects, it's not flashy, it's boring, and they definitely addressing that, as I can see, because those new yeah. effects look awesome. And to be fair, they set the bar low with the first couple sets when it comes to effects and those kind of things. So uh, maybe we're a little bit jaded by that, um, but because our, our our expectations were already low, I guess, when it comes to that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they definitely have made things look way better compared to season before. So there's that. Yeah, in, their, in their defense, they did go. They, they did slowly start a thing with going back and changing animations. I know Moment yeah. of Clarity was actually one of the first cards they went back and redid. And, yeah, and, and if you guys haven't seen the new Moment of Clarity, you should all check it out. It looks great. Outstanding, actually. Looks very <laughs> nice. But, <laughs> yeah, so I think artwork, animations, these, the extended storyline in Dark Brotherhood was, I think the uh, the content itself, that whole campaign was amazing from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. was really well done. I haven't touched the master mode yet, but it, I was able to catch a few screens, uh, streams of, uh, well, some screams too of people getting wrecked, but the streams of the master mode, and I think all around looks amazing. Uh, also, one thing I want to kind of throw out there, I guess, for people listening, if you, I don't play Elder Scrolls online, so if you want my code, please feel free to message me, I'll toss that to you. Um, free of charge, I don't plan on playing it. Alright, so, I think we can, uh, in closing, unless there's any other topics you guys want to speak of, if there's any questions from chat, Anything they want, any things they want to... I'll open up the chat, there's a delay, so I'll open up to you, the chat, for a bit. Is there anything you want to ask or have us mention before we wrap this up? Well, since there is a quick delay, I'll mention one more thing. Um, 
if you do want to get rid of your mounts, your if you if you oh if you bought the new pre-ordered the new set, um, one of the things you get is an Elder Scrolls Online uh, Dire Wolf mount. And if you do want to get rid of it, um, and you don't have a way an outlet to do that, I know that there is a thread on um, the the red the subreddit for the Elder Scrolls uh, and a sub the subreddit for the Elder Scrolls Legends. Uh, so oh sorry for the Elder Scrolls Online and for the Elder Scrolls Legends. And so if you want to get rid rid of it um i would suggest doing it that way because there are people that are actually looking for it and some of which would be willing to make some sort of trade with you uh that might benefit you in addition to if you were just willing to just give it away they there are definitely some people that are out there who want it so help help benefit the community in any way shape or form you can by giving that code away if you're not going to use it just be just be kind dude and toss it for free i definitely didn't see that thread i'll have to go and just post my code there is that what we're doing or yeah, so if actually I can give you a little more details. If you go to the Elder Scrolls Legends subreddit and you click on the second sticky thread, it's the Fall of the Dark Brotherhood is out plus subreddit news. It's um, one that was put out by Yum Yum, and it's the down there at the bottom of the post. It says um, there is a thread to post submissions for um, your your mouths. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a link inside of that post. Basically, that thread is meant to be helpful things that help out the community and help out, uh, and just announcements in relations to the new set coming out. So that definitely worth uh, giving those away if you can. Okay, and Inez, to just throw your question out, I, I posted the link towards the um, the uh, thread if anyone wants to check it. And Inez asked a question regarding Ensemble Rage. We earlier we didn't mention that it was. Uh, about the uh, breakthrough ensemble rage interaction that's being addressed. Uh, if you want to go back and check out the beginning, we did kind of extensively talk about that while detailing the card. But again, I do... Yeah, we spent about 10-15 minutes on it already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to, to basically sum, sum it up for you, Inez, uh, it was intended and there was actually an announcement in relations to it. Alright, cool. So I do think you. Looks like we don't have any questions. I think we kind of. You already got what we wanted out of this hour. Talking about brews, potential. Talking about some of the cards stand out, and the archetypes was awesome. So I do like to thank. I uh, would like to thank Snacksy Man and Bradford for taking the time out. I know Snacksy is like a little later for you, probably almost nine tennis for you. Right? Yeah. So I do appreciate you taking out your evening for us, and Brad, I do think you taking out your morning actually because you're in the opposite <laughs> direction time zone wise. <clears throat> Alright guys, so this was a lot of fun. I love just talking about card games in general, and I do appreciate that. Um...